0: Fed up of floor droves, driven to distraction and drowning with doom boxes, tired of living in chaos? Welcome to Decluttering Untangled, how to declutter when you're overwhelmed, ADHD or autistic. I'm going to help you uncover the secrets to decluttering, no matter what hurdles you face. You'll discover how to declutter, de-stress and transform your world. I'm Heather Tingle, reformed hoarder, neurodivergent declutter queen and your guide through the maze of mess. Let's get untangled. Hello Untanglers. So today I'm going to talk about the A in my PAVE system, which stands for action. So the actual decluttering, like how do you do it? So you hopefully you've done the first part, which is plan what you're going to do, when you're going to do it and what you need. Now you're actually going to do it. So hopefully if you listen to my podcast in episode six, you'll have figured out what micro category you're going to declutter and the start and the end point for that session. And if you're not working with an actual micro category, because maybe it's a big pile or a big mess, I'm going to talk about that as well today. So don't panic. So what do you actually do? So let's start with the piles of doom because they're always the difficult ones. So with those, you're going to start by zoning So, like I talked you through in episode one, you're going to put things in the rooms or in the areas where they should be. So, easy items to let go of are going to go into your exit piles. You're going to use your bags or boxes, or bags for life are ideal for this, to put things into piles. These are going to be exit piles. So, They're going to consist of action. So something that you have to check, something you have to fix, maybe take somewhere. So for example, if you're decluttering clothes and there's an item with a button missing, you're going to put that into an action pile because you're either going to find the button and fix it or you're going to take it to a seamstress or a tailor or whatever to get it fixed. It might be a toy that needs some action. So you might need to check the batteries on it or find the other part for it or something along those lines. If it's paperwork you're decluttering, it might need sorting out. So, you might need to reply to it or you might need to find some information from somewhere to be able to deal with it. So, that's going to be your action pile. You're also going to have a pile for giving it to someone you know. So, whether you've just discovered something that you were meant to give back to somebody or you've ended up with, I don't know, a children's jumper that doesn't belong to your child, that's going to go by your door uh, in a bag with going to someone you know. You're going to have a bag for giving to charity. So you might have a bag or a box for this one. Um, Bags for life are great because they're sturdy and you can put loads of things in them. You might also decide if you're doing clothes, for example, you might want those regular charity bags. They work really well too. So you're going to have a bag for going out to charity. You're going to have a bag or box, ideally a box if it's like paper recycling, for items out to recycling. So whether it's um, paperwork, whether it's going to be recycling textiles or whether it's going to be glass or plastics, you can have a box or a bag for recycling and you don't have to separate them at this point. You could just chuck it all in one. And then when you get to taking them out of the house, that's when you can then separate them. And then you're going to have a rubbish bag because I guarantee you will find some rubbish somewhere. You're also going to have a bag or a box for selling items and it's really important that you don't feel overwhelmed with this one. Think about whether or not it's worth your while to sell because selling can be very stressful and it does take time to do. You're going to give yourself um, a set time limit as well to get them out of the house and make sure you've got a plan A and a plan B like I talked about in the previous episode. And then finally, you're going to have a bag, ideally, or a box with items that need to move to a different room in your home. So the reason why you want to do small declutters is that you don't want to get these piles to be too big, because then they become massively overwhelming and a whole job in themselves. So for example, five items to sell feels much more doable to list than 50. So if you can declutter little and often, that is absolutely perfect. I think everybody's so used to these big transformations, but actually little transformations consistently will get you there so much better and you'll do it properly so that way you're not going to get tired out by it you're not going to get worn out by that decision making process and your decision making skills will be sharp because you're not going to get too tired you're not going to get decision fatigue and you're going to be effective in that decision making so you're going to stay motivated plus and this is the biggest reason for me you'll do it properly so you don't ever have to do it ever again if you imagine like fifth day mini declutters covering all your drawers or your cupboards or whatever that is massively game-changing for your entire world. So and once you've done them once and you've done them properly, you only then have to maintain it, or you may go around a second time and be a bit more ruthless. So when deciding what stays and what goes, don't forget you're going to use emotion, not logic, in the first instance, like I mentioned in episode three. So you're going to pick an item up and decide, do you adore it? So the KonMari method would be, does it spark joy? Now, when I'm feeling low or in a mood, not very much sparks joy for me. If I'm struggling with depression, for example, I'm having a really bad day, sparking joy is a bit of a hard one. But I want you to look at that item and think, do you adore it? Do you adore it enough to make it worth your while keeping it? Make it worth your while going through the effort of cleaning it, for example, or make it worth your while the effort of putting it away and looking after it? If the answer is no it needs to go. If the answer is yes or it makes you smile in some way then that's a definite keep regardless of any logic involved. So you're going to compare items against each other and work to the rule of only keeping what you adore and also items that that fit in the space that you have for them. So this is when part of the Conmari method works really well. Now, I do like the Conmari method in a lot of respect, but I think if you're neurodivergent or you're overwhelmed or if you've got a very cluttered home, it can be quite problematic. So I've adapted it for my method to getting items, similar items together and comparing them against each other. So the only item with a KonMari method is if you do it in too big a category. For example, if you put all your clothes on the bed to sort through, it's far too overwhelming. And before you know it, you end up not being able to go to sleep on your bed that night. Or you end up throwing them all on the floor and then it's like that's not going to get sorted out for at least another five months. So I want you to keep it to tiny micro categories. The power of the pile is very useful though. So being able to see what you have that is the same type of item is a surefire way to work out what you have too many of. Or if you do have too many of one item, don't think that that's a bad thing because it isn't. So, but it is very useful to know what is important to you and then look at other categories that aren't important that you can then reduce to be able to keep your important items in a proper place. So it's kind of a way of working out what the trade-off is by keeping some and getting rid of others to make space for them. If you've got a pile of random items or a bag or a box or a drawer of doom, and I have mentioned doom already, but if you didn't know, that's didn't organise, only moved. That's what it stands for. I want you to think less decluttering and organising it. And that's because you only have so many decisions you can make in a day or a decluttering session. So asking you to think less is a bit of a weird thing for me to say, but I really do want you to work on this one. Because what happens is if you look in that doom box or bag or drawer, you're going to waste half of your decisions deciding what to pick up next. So what item am I going to decide on next you're going to look at it and then do a search and that is wasting a decision for every item so if you've got 50 items in a drawer you're going to make 50 50 decisions just deciding which one to pick next and then another 50 decisions deciding whether or not it's going to stay or go or not that is 100 decisions when actually if you just close your eyes and pick something you're only going to do 50 decisions rather than 100 so it's going to be less tiring for your brain So it means that your brain gets overwhelmed if you then have to decide which one's next. It feels harder than it needs to be. So what you're going to do is you're going to use the Ohio method. So this is where you're going to think a little less. And that stands for only handle it once. Now, I'm not talking about having a piece of paper and putting a mark on it when you pop it somewhere and the next time you pick it up, put another mark on it. My God, that's too much like hard work for my brain. So what I want you to do is to close your eyes if you have to, and reach in and pick an item up. It's that simple. Then you're going to make a decision on it and then you're going to put it in one of the piles or one of your zones. No thinking about what item to pick up next, it's literally the next one that you pick up. If it's a room that you're working on, then you just need to pick up the next item in front of you. Literally the next item that your foot is going to touch or the next item that is on the top of the pile that you're going to pick up rather than looking around and searching for the next thing and this becomes easier and more automatic the more you do it so pretend you're doing a lucky dip you never know what that next item is going to be and the great thing about that is it takes time now you might think that this is a bad thing again it's really not um decluttering if you're going to do it properly has to take time i think these days we're all in like a big rush we think faster results are better Actually, it's really not. Um, If you want to do it properly, you need time and you need to take time. So you might need to think, think this is a bad thing, but it's not. Because in nearly every client session I do, clients talk through the items they're holding with me. Tears are shed, trauma is released, memories are recounted. And that is a really, really vital part of the process. We need to do it so we can feel good about it. And it's healthy to do it because it's far better to process our emotions than just work through logic and throw it all out and then we're left trying to process past events without the item with us and it, that can leave a bit of an emotional hole, a bit of a void. If you find something that you're not ready to process yet, put it in a sentimental box to deal with later and it's totally okay if you're not ready to make any decisions on the item yet, if you're not ready to face those emotions, totally okay. And as you're going through the items, deciding if an item should stay or go, and you get stuck on sentimentality, I want you to ask yourself do I have another item from that person or another item from that memory that it evokes that you like more? If the answer is yes, then it's okay to let go of this one. If the answer is no, and the item makes you smile, Then I want you to put that in the special place where only the sentimental items go, whether it's a box or a bag. And that's going to be dealt with later. As sentimental items are the last category that you should attempt to declutter. Something else I want you to do, I'm getting very bossy today, but it's very controversial, but I promise you it is the best way. And that's if you're not sure about whether to keep an item or not, I want you to keep it. If it's not a definite yes, that can go, then it's a stay. And you're going to put it where you're going to use it and make a note. Although, to be pro- to be honest, you'll probably remember in all honesty to review it next time you declutter that space again. So I find that once clients have gone through a category once, when they finish decluttering, they go back to the beginning categories again and they end up being more ruthless as they know the system works and they practice decision making and are better at it now. So when they revisit the item, it's either being used and enjoyed or it's still not being used and loved. And that way they know it can then go. And this is where I get people disagreeing with me in decluttering groups. And because what I don't want you to do is what they suggest is to create a pile for, I'll decide on this later. I'll look at this later, delayed decisions. As all that ends up being is it becomes a big box of procrastination that's not gonna make you feel good. It's gonna make you feel bad every time you look at it. And let's face it, decluttering is hard enough but if you imagine that you've then got a whole box full of those items, oh my God, you're definitely not going to want to work through that. So let's face it, it is going to stay where it is for years. You're going to trip over it. It's going to have things piled on the top of it, or it gets put in a loft or in a cupboard somewhere, in theory, out of the way, because, you know, out of sight is out of mind. But let me tell you, that does weigh on your mind. You still know it is there. And it's probably, I already need to say, Is that the people that disagree with me on this are the ones that are wanting help with their own clutter and they are still living in clutter years after they disagreed with me on this, on how to deal with it. And that's because you have to practice making decisions and you'll get better at it. The more you do it, the more you trust your own judgment. If you end up with lots of delayed decisions, you're not making any decisions at all and it's so much easier to then go, oh, I'll put that to decide later, I'll put that to decide later. And before you know it, you've got an entire house full or like I used to have an entire room full. So the more you make those decisions of a yes or a no, which are definite, even if it's for the time being, the more you end up trusting your own judgment. If you're anything like me, it's highly likely at the start of the process, you didn't trust your own judgment You'd never been able to make your own decisions. Either somebody else had done it for you or you were too worried about the decisions you were making to feel confident in them. So you're scared of making a mistake, just like you are at the beginning, but keeping an item isn't making a mistake. If you keep it and then six months down the line, you're ready to let it go, then you know you've made the right decision because you've tested it out. You gave it a reprieve. You know it can go. And I can guarantee it, if you end up with a box full of items that are delayed decisions, you will not get to that point anytime soon. It also means that you start to get comfortable with letting things go, as you then have no regrets about anything, which is massively important. So once you've made your decisions, the main thing I really want you to be aware of for afterwards is that it's so easy to get all the things into those exit piles, all nicely sorted, And then you walk away because you're tired. Like you've done enough for today. Like you've sorted it. You've sorted it. It's all done. It's all in piles. It's all ready. But then those piles stay there for now. And then before you know it, they've got mixed up again, or they've just been added back into the jumble of the room, undoing all your hard work, or you end up second guessing your decisions and pulling things back in again. Or what's even worse is when someone else comes in and say, oh no, you can't get rid of that, or you can't decide on that one. So for every session of decluttering you do. I want you to set time aside before you get too tired to actively take things to where they should be. So the items get moved into the room they're meant to be in or popped in the car for taking to the person's house that they were owned by or they get put in the bin or they get put in the recycling. It's so important to finish this part off including listing items for sale. There are so many clients I visit that have got piles and piles of stuff they're going to sell one day, but they never get round to. So I really want you to include time set aside for that as well. I suggest if you're doing 15 minutes of decluttering, five minutes should be the moving of items to finish it off. If you're doing an hour, set aside 15 minutes to complete what you're doing. Your brain is going to come up with many, many reasons why items should be kept. And I say reasons, not excuses, as you don't ever need an excuse to keep something, it is your stuff and it is your home. You don't need to create excuses to why you want to keep something. Just the fact that you want it is absolutely enough. It can be a totally random object that has no purpose whatsoever, but if it makes you smile and you want it in your home, you don't need to make a reason as to why you need to keep it. So over the coming episodes, I'm going to go through all these thoughts that your brain's going to have, all those reasons that your brain's going to come up with as to why you should keep things. And more importantly, how you're going to counteract that so you know that you're making a really well thought out decision on each item rather than being held to ransom by your attachments and reasons why you should keep something. So I want you to practice decision making, even if it's a keep for now let the emotions come and let the thought processes and memories hit you make sure you've got a safe space or a safe person after your declutter session if you think there might be items that you come across that might be triggering get your piles sorted put your recycling away get your items moved put your rubbish in the bin and any action points like checking something or taking something somewhere else diaryed into your diary to make sure it happens and let me know how you get on In the next episode, I'll be talking about my PAVE system and the next part of that, which is V for vision and why it is so massively important. Until then, take care and keep decluttering. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of Decluttering Untangled. If you found anything that I've said today helpful, please do me a favour, hit that subscribe button or leave me a review. It's like receiving a virtual high five that keeps me going and lets me know that I'm helping real people out there and I'm making a difference. Please remember, you're not alone in this. I'm building a community of fellow untanglers over on Facebook. Just visit the show notes for the link to my free decluttering community. So until next time, remember, you're not alone. You're not lazy. You can untangle your life.